Joy Edwards, Dr. Joy Edwards, uh, pleasure having you here today. Yes, yes, thank you. We are in your hometown. Yeah. Um, is it, is it, is Kerry your hometown or are you? I'm asked? originally from Seattle, Washington, West Coast. So the other side of uh, town, of the yeah, country, the of other the continent. Side. Yeah. I've been here for, ooh, I've lost count now, maybe like 20 years though. So I think I'm, I'm a southerner. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you live in Kerry. I live, yeah, about 20 minutes away, Holly Springs. Holly Springs. I literally work in Cary, though, like three minutes away. Very nice. Um, So, yeah, it is a pleasure to meet you in person. I know we've spoken uh, over text, over email, over the phone. So it feels kind of surreal seeing you in person. Um, We have a lot to talk about. Um, It should be fun. should be pretty conversational. A lot to learn from you and a lot of information, as much as we can uh, curate and pass on to the audience, uh, the better. Uh, So I will start where... Maybe the easiest place to start with the place I want to start is uh, cups. <laughs> Why cups specifically? Why cu- because you're um, a, tra- a trained physiotherapist, right? Uh-huh. Um, a doctor of physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, you could have also taken that to many different avenues, mm-hmm. many different modalities. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, most of the time you spend with cups. 100%. I think uh, for me, it was just an organic introduction and, and I quickly fell in love with cups. So, um, got my doctorate in 07. Um, prior to that, I had worked with my hands. I always like working with my hands as a physical, physical therapist. You say physical therapist here, Danny, I was going to say physio cause you make it sound so cool. Sorry. Um, but so as a physical therapist, I always work with my hands. Um, it, it just felt right. Some other therapists would, were more um, exercise uh, focused and they would, you know, give exercise to, to patients, but I would put my hands on them and I would notice that the exercise became easier and they really wanted to do the exercises because they were easier. Um, and I was working part time um, at a clinic that was manual therapy based. So they only did hands on therapy. It was physical therapy, but hands on. And a woman came in, I hadn't seen her before, but she had, she was not new to the clinic and she, um, we were working on her back and she disrobed. Uh, I said, no, you know, I'll, I'll step out and give you some privacy. She says, no, 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 you can stay. And I turn around and she's covered from head to toe in like these horrible bruises. And at that point I'm fresh out of school. And so in, in school they teach you to be an advocate for your patients and there may be domestic violence going on. And so I quickly, I'm like, oh my God, like domestic violence, I have to step in. And so I'm trying to tell her, you know, let's not do the treatment. I'll, I'll get you to safety. There's hotlines, there's safe houses. And she's like, she's like, no, it's cupping. I'm like, yeah, okay. Like I just keep on cause I don't know what cupping is. And ultimately she tells me what cupping is and I go and I study and I learn. And then fast forward, maybe a year later, somebody gifted me a cupping session and I have scoliosis. So I've always had pain kind of in my upper back, um, medicines and physical therapy and just all kind of stuff I tried nothing helped and somebody cupped me and I had the most relief of pain that I have had for the longest amount of time ever in my life and I was like whoa there's something to those little cup thingies and then I started studying more I started having more conversation and a lot of my friends are not originally from the United States some are from Mexico some are from Thailand and they were like yeah it's nothing new and they taught me the ways that they were cupped as children, they said it was just normal. That's what happened in their homes. They didn't go to the doctor. They didn't take Tylenol. They had a headache. They were cupped. If they had congestion, they were cupped. In so many different ways to be cupped. One of the first ways I learned was taking a, um, a quarter and placing it on the body, taking a tea light and placing the tea light on top of the quarter, lighting the tea light, and then placing a cup directly over it. And that formed the suction. And that was the coolest thing ever. And then the relief that I got and then was able to give my patients, I was like, wow. Like, I just fell in love, and I've never deviated from cupping. So it gave, so pers- like, a personal experience. Yes. Um, so, A, it's a bit um, uh, maybe counterintuitive, maybe, or surprising that for a patient, you were exposed right. to cupping. Yeah. Um, and personal experience of feeling relief from it led you down that avenue of discovering it, finding out what it is and what yeah. it can do. And for so many different people, too, it was like, okay, someone would come in with shoulder pain. And, you know, in the beginning I experimented, I would put a cup on it, do some things, and they felt great. And then somebody with back pain would come in. You know, different ages, different sizes, different athletic types, just everybody responded in a positive manner to the cupping. And then to see it unfold and then be excited to come back to therapy. 
and then request, can you put those cup things on me again? That was really good. Like it was just amazing that so many people felt so good and so quickly too. It was like, you know, sometimes with physical therapy, we have to kind of work through things and there's a slow progression, which sometimes as a, as a patient is hard to stay in, to be in the middle and want to be on the other side and be kind of in the middle of that kind of pain and dysfunctional cycle. But then putting the cups on and literally five minutes, three minutes later, they can do something that they couldn't do before. Like it's motivational. Like you, you just can't, you can't sell that enough. It's, it's just, it sells itself. Is there something that maybe patients feel more comfortable about, about um, having an object that separates um, skin between the, the treater and the person that's getting treated? I think, I think patients, especially when they're in pain, they're just up for anything. Like, you know, just, just fix me, like whatever you have, you know. Um, I have a lot of people that just have had almost chronic pain. You know, they, they come in, people start off with pain. They don't typically seek help until it's like debilitating and they can't do something about it. So at that point, it's like hands-on exercise, like whatever you can give me, I'm willing to do. And it just so happens that the cups work more immediately than almost anything else that I've used. So it's like, yeah, let's keep going. What is the controversy around cups? Oh man, they're bruises. It's archaic. It's barbaric. It's, 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 it's torture. It's snake oil. It doesn't work. Uh, it's a fad. Like I could go on and on of, of all the, um, why do you think it exists? All those different things around it? I, th- especially, especially in the U S um, I'm asking because it must bother you to some degree because if it's your thing that you believe in so much and you've seen that it does wonders to people, but at the same time, a lot of people mentioned all these yeah. different things that you just mentioned. So in the beginning, and this was, this was pre Michael Phelps in the Olympics. I got a lot of this cause I started cupping. Oh gosh. In, uh, maybe 2010, probably earlier than that. Um, but so before then, like nobody saw the red circles. It wasn't familiar. And so back then when I was posting, oh, there's this wonderful thing. I was getting all these. But I think anything that is is new um, and sometimes foreign, people form an opinion without ever having experienced it. Um, and that's unfortunate because I think based on what it looks like in, in perception, people are unwilling to even listen a little bit more. Um, it's never really bothered me, though, because I feel like, if you need it, it's there. If you're against it, then that's fine too. Um, all I can do is educate and say, I, th- I think it's wonderful. Give it a try. If you don't, then you don't. There's no love loss for me. Cupping may not be for everyone and that's okay because it's not an end all be all. I love it. It works for the orthopedic clients and patients that I see, but it doesn't bother me when people don't really love it. You know, I don't like onions and I, I'm not mad at the next person who likes onion. raw onions. I should specify. <laughs> <laughs> I, the first time I was exposed to cups was the Michael Phelps mm. pictures, you know, the Olympic pictures, because yes. for the first time it's actual, it's actually a visual, yeah. you know, someone goes through a massage therapy session, hands on, you don't know what the athlete did or how they were treated, but obviously with the beautiful circle bruises mm. on someone's shoulder or back, um, it raises questions. Yeah. So I was exposed to it. Um, did that help um, the oh, man. general notion of cupping? It de- it definitely shined um, a brighter and probably more positive light positive. on it. Sometimes when, when superstars or famous people um, do things, it's um, a little bit more digestible, I guess. Like, oh my gosh, that must be good because Michael Phelps got it or um, Justin Bieber got it or um, Jennifer Aniston. You know, it must be something. Um, so after even my mother called me, <laughs> my mom called me and said, hey, did you see Michael Phelps? He has those circle things that you do. I've literally been cupping for like a decade, like, and now you want to talk to me about it? But, um, but it just sparked a lot of interest. And I saw a lot more of my um, colleagues seeing influx of people asking for cupping. Some of the, the, the bigger massage chains though have still been kind of leery about like um, introducing cupping um, because of the unsightly circles and the fact that people still refer to the circles as bruises. And there's a lot of debate around that. Um, they've been hesitant to introduce that, but I think maybe I'm not going to spill the tea, but I think there's some, some bigger massage chains that are now looking at it and, and seeing the benefit um, and, and may introduce them in the future. Because you're saying that it's something new, like in a way um, that people are afraid to explore, yeah. don't want to explore. Um, but at the same time, it's an ancient practice. It's an ancient practice. So it's, it's new to some people, but it's definitely not a new practice. It dates back to 
I think 1550 BC, like um, the earliest, one of the earliest medical um, books has cupping in it. So it's, it's been around, um, especially in, in other cultures. I know Asian culture, it's pretty big. Again, my friends from uh, Mexico, it's like, yeah, it's nothing new. Like my grandmother's grandmother grew up to like, this is what we do. So definitely not, not a new thing, but definitely um, new to some people. It's used also by beauticians and many different uh, types of therapists, right? Not just treating sports injuries. Or no, you can you can do relaxation massages with it. You can I I use it in physical therapy um, for a lot, introducing um, improving range of motion, flexibility. Even like lately, I've started cupping for um, balance. Some people they come with a referral for balance when really they just don't have enough motion in their ankles to prevent any any falls any perturbations um and so if i can increase the range at the ankle i can magically make their balance better um but yeah they definitely use it um in the beauty world a lot more um even post-surgically with uh, cosmetic surgery they use it with lymphatic drainage to help kind of create a contoured body and, and push some of that the fluid out do you mind explaining what cupping does? So for me, I can speak from an orthopedic perspective yep. because I'm more orthopedic. Um, I am orthopedic, orthopedic trained. Um, so for me, what I see in the clinic and my theory is that cupping actually. So I'll go back. I'll say when an injury occurs, typically when an injury occurs, that area, whether it's a shoulder, the abdominal, the hip, the tissue around the injury is going to reflexively contract. In an, in an attempt to prevent any movement and damage, any further damage to that area. When the tissue gets tight, adhesions, little knots will develop. And so what the cups do is they come and they lift and pull and stretch the tissue in that area, just creating more space for the good blood flow to come in, the good lymph to come in, and all the bad debris left over from energy to flow out, from injury to flow out. So is it to some degree the opposite of when you're massaging a mm. certain injured area because you're putting pressure on a pain point, but cupping is pulling it away? Yeah, some people say it's a, it's a massage in reverse. Um, I use it when I, especially when I teach my class, the what the cup, I have four classes now, but what the cup in that we're literally just addressing the tightness and the adhesions. I, I almost liken it to literally vacuuming adhesions up. So if you go and you palpate, I teach that just a little assessment before, but I want to go and I want to palpate the area. So it's not enough that someone comes in and they say, um, I have shoulder pain. And I say, oh, okay, shoulder pain. You have a shoulder. I have cups. I'll put the cups on the shoulder. For me, I actually want to touch the shoulder. I want to see, because the shoulder can be the trap. It can be the rotator cuff. It can be the peg. It can be anything. So I actually want to know exactly where they have pain. And then I want to do my little assessment quickly. So I'll go. This is kind of as I'm applying like lotion or oil, I'm going to go and I'm going to feel, I'm going to feel for, I call them tissue issues, different adhesions and adhesions sometimes come in different shapes and forms more than just like a trigger point. Like trigger point is, you know, I put my finger on the trigger point and there's pain felt somewhere else, a referral pattern, but sometimes there are just adhesions that hurt. So I'm going to do my little assessment. I'm going to come, I'm going to see the size of the adhesion. Uh, the quality, the texture, how many there were. And then later I'm going to come and I'm going to address those adhesions with specific techniques with my cups, drive around, do my thing, work my magic, but then I'm going to come back and I'm going to palpate that same tissue to see if I've made changes. 9.9 times out of 10, I've made changes to that tissue. And if I haven't, maybe the tissue just needs a little bit more TLC, maybe a different technique with the cups. I put the cup back on, I take them off and I reassess. So I'm constantly reassessing throughout my treatment. If I have a person for 60 minutes, I'm reassessing three, four times during that treatment before they get off my table because I'm going to make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to while they're on the table. Then when they get off, they feel wonderful. You used the word table as something <laughs> we were discussing on the previous, uh, bed versus table. So I was happy you said Yes, table. because we're, we're trying to get away from, um, you know, the, the, the taboo associated with masseuses and, and, and all that good stuff. And Diddy does that. Diddy, Priscilla, I, t- I call her Diddy all the time. She doesn't even know why, but yeah, Diddy does a great job in just being an advocate and saying like, you know, this is this is not what we're what we're here for. This is who we are. And I think that's wonderful. I think that's what we need to advance the profession to. Like, I'm so excited about that. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, do people because not every if, if 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 I come for treatment with you and you use cups on me, 
doesn't necessarily mean I'll leave with beautiful circles on my body, right? Doesn't necessarily mean that. Um, different different skin colors sometimes mark darker skin types. Sometimes don't discolor as much. Um, fire cupping usually discolors more. Um, stronger suctions and longer suction times will typically discolor. And a lot of the discoloration has to do with any injury that was present either in the past or currently. What I found in the clinic is that the more damage an area was subjected to, usually the, the coloring is darker. So if there was, uh, I had a friend that um, was getting too old. He, uh, he dunked a basketball, but he actually caught his uh, elbow and upper arm in the, in the rim. And then his body weight So dropped. he can jump. And so he can jump. Yeah, he can jump pretty high. And then his arm got stuck. So he just ripped his shoulder to shreds. He never had treatment, and then I can't remember how many years later I cupped him, and it was like these beautiful, like, eggplant purple circles, and he was like, wow, I didn't expect that, but I did because that damage was so gnarly way back when he did it, but it was never properly cleared out, so if it's never properly cleared out, usually the, the circles are, are darker um, purple, and then as continued treatment and, and the tissue start to heal and kind of resolve, then the colors change and they go from usually a purple to kind of a fire engine red, then more of a kind of rosy-ish pink type and then dissipate and, and that it's just a fleshy color after a while. So it kind of speaks to the, the, the tissue healing or the process of tissue healing with the cups. So discovering cupping and implementing cupping in such a way as you have in your career has it opened your eyes more to other modalities, other techniques that maybe you have um, uh, paid less attention to or been less open-minded to in the past? Um, I'm usually, I, I just love learning like anything. There's uh, there's this thing back in the day was called a, it's like suspension or something like that. It's like they, um, they put hooks in your body. I think it was called suspension, but then like they, they hang you and it looks crazy, but they hang you from the hooks like like you're a slab of meat. But even that was interesting to me because it was supposed to do like some kind of euphoric release. And, and people were looking at me like, are you seriously thinking about that? But I'm like, yeah, like it looks it looks it's different. But I entertain almost anything. I think when we stop having an open mind about anything new, we stop learning and, and you just kind of kill your passion. Um kind of kill your trajectory like I always want to be learning even if I try something and I don't love it at least I tried it I can say that I tried it my kids I'm like I'm a vegetarian my kids are not so I'm like here try this they're like I don't like that I'm like how do you know you've never had it I know I don't like it uh, so I always remember that like try it if I don't like it then I don't like it but is it you think it's um because a lot of ancient practices mm. are also uh, disregarded as old primitive not up to date with modern western medicine um does that lead to did that ever affect you when um being approached with maybe an ancient medicine no no i i actually love ancient medicine i think i think does it intrigue you because like yeah. maybe maybe there's a reason it's been out for so long and people are still practicing and people it? are still practicing it so so to me, it sounds like if it's been out that long and people are still practicing it, then it must be a good thing. Or maybe it's a good thing, but I'm going to try for myself. But, you know, especially back in the day, like you had, you know, we didn't have the inventions that we have today. So some of the things they came up with and just, just to me, almost more pure medicine. I really love that stuff. Even the stuff that comes out now that's new. I have a um, paraplegic patient who actually has a motor that you can put on the wheelchair. I've never seen anything like that. But, and that's the beauty of medicine. Like every five years, 10 years, there are these beautiful leaps. And that's how we continue to push medicine forward. Cause ultimately we're there for the clients and we're there for the patients. So there's, there's nothing that I won't entertain. I love ancient medicine, but I love new medicine too. How's your scoliosis? Nowadays? It's better. It's good, man. I'm like lifting and, um, you know, I still cut myself some days my heavier days at work, sometimes, you know, I kind of lean into my scoliosis more than I should. And I, and I feel it. it's nothing like it used to be, but I can apply a cup, which is typically what I do. I apply a cup, sit for a bit with it, do some stretches and it's good. I probably cup myself. I don't know, maybe three, four days a week, depending on what I've done. I work out typically three days a week. And so what I've learned too, is that, you know, there's, DOMS, delayed onset muscle soreness. So if I work out really, really hard, 
usually I'm sore for you know next couple of days, but with, with the cupping, so I can go and do a really, really hard workout in the places that I've worked. If I've done leg, if it was leg day and I've done, you know, like quads and uh, my gastrox, I can put cups on as soon as I get home and it cuts down on the soreness that I have the next two days. So I'm like ready to go. So everything, I, I cup myself all the time. What do you do workout wise? Oh, lift you Danny. Oh man. I yeah. bench like 500, yeah. 500 pounds and squat 3,300. No, I, Dr. Um, Joy Edwards <laughs> is a uh, workout routine. Everyone. <laughs> no, I, um, I'm getting older. I'm trying, I just want my knees to be happy and my hips to be happy. So I usually, when I work out, I do cardio. Um, so I run typically two miles. I'll do about 10 minutes on a stair, um, the little elevator see how much I go. I don't even know what it's called, but, um, And then leg day, I just do just some free weights. I do a little bit of squatting with weights. Um, I've had rotator cuff tears since grad school. I, I just was not interested in surgery, um, but I've compensated for a very long time. So I'm getting back to actually strengthening my rotator cuff, which is like I can do only like five pounds external rotation. It's like a killer. But just, just trying to make myself as strong as possible. Is cupping something that, I mean, you said you, you, you cup yourself, right? Mm -hmm. um, is it something that someone, like an individual like myself, can learn to manually do on myself? Yes, easily. Easily? Yeah. So it's a way for people to manage their own pain accessibly. Yeah. I, I think, you know, in everybody's case is different. Some people may have more pain um, dysfunction that needs to be addressed by like a massage therapist or professional. But in the meantime, especially with my patients and clients, I will either sell them a cup or give them a cup and have them do, I have, um, oh, I have a lady today that's, a uh, having a meniscus surgery, um, January 23rd. And so she's seeing me preoperatively just to get her, her leg strong and see what she should do afterward. But the medial portion of her knee right around the meniscus, her adductors, the distal adductors are really, really tight adhesions, naughty. And so when I put the cups on and do some stuff, she feels wonderful. So she came back today and said, you need to give me one of those things. So what thing? The cup thing. And so what I typically do is actually I have some, sometimes I sell them for like $2 or so and I give them and then I teach them what to do between the times that I see them. So I see her two or three times a week, but when she's not with me, she's still walking around and doing some stuff. So especially with Thanksgiving, she got really, really sore because she was up and doing some stuff. But I gave her the cups and told her what to do. And she's like, wow, it really cut down on the dysfunction and discomfort that I had. So, yeah, it's super easy to teach. It's always functional, though, and it has to be a knowledgeable therapist that's that's telling you what to do. And it needs to be functional. So I wouldn't just give a cup and say, you have knee pain, put the cup on your knee. Like, it has to be functional. Like, what motions bother you? When does it bother you? How does it bother you? How does it feel? And then I will say, okay do this technique, maybe, maybe doorknob, maybe do a little twisting, maybe leave the cup on statically, maybe leave the cup on statically, but extend the knee and flex the knee. So not super hard, but definitely needs some thought behind it and, and not just throwing an exercise out there and say, Hey, put this cup on. And like, I'm assuming your answer will be positive here, but um, <clears throat> do you see patients that actually implement things on their own between visits with you? Yeah. Better results over time. Because the cup is so easy. Like, so I, I do silicone cupping. There's obviously um, fire cupping with the glass and there's um, the, the plastic cups too with the, with the suction gun. Um, with the silicone cup, like I can literally carry it in my pocket. It's maybe the size of a silver dollar and it's easy to put on, squeeze it, put it on, let go. So because of the ease of, of application, like it doesn't have to be a big sit down, read 25 pages of how to put it on what to do it's just so simple it's quick and then the results are pretty much immediate yeah people are so willing to do that in between the time if i say do this three times they're going to do it three times but if i say do this exercise program three days like they come back i'm like did you do your exercise cricket right <laughs> but the cups they're like yeah 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 i did it just like you told me and it felt really good yeah they're super motivated especially like younger people like putting it on, like, look what I did, especially if they have a cupping mark. It's like, it's kind of like a badge of honor. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, when did you start teaching? Um, I think I've been teaching for five years, maybe. And that just happened super organically. My buddy was teaching um, Nick with the 
fluffy tiger massage. He was teaching fire cupping. He's one of the ones that traditionally grew up on fire cupping. He's like, yeah, it's nothing new. Like we did this as a kid, my uncles, my grandmother. Um, he was teaching a class. Where is he from? Oh, Nick is from, ugh, Nick's going to kill me. Asia somewhere. But not, not, not the U S no, not the U S. Um, he's just, cool kind of like southern ish draw with his accent it's like the coolest thing but he was he was teaching he said you know come with me and you can like assist it's like yeah like I really didn't even think about it. I was like yeah okay I'll go and I um, went up and somebody asked me a question during the class and I answered it but it was like it's like a comedian tells their first joke and they remember like the laughter they got like I just remember like the response I got after I gave whatever my answer was, but it was like people were like, like leaning and, and waiting. And then they implemented whatever I said. And then that was like, Oh my God, like that was a, a light went off for me. I was like, maybe I will like try my hand at this. And Nick was like, do it, do it, do it. And he introduced me to um, the the owner of the, the place where he was teaching. She's like, you should do it. And, and I, I taught my first class and um, I remember the students, like the therapist leaving, and oh man, this was the coolest class ever. And I was like thinking, like, do they say that? You know, it was my first time. I'm like, do they say that to everybody? Or and uh one guy was like, Man, this is the best class I've ever had. And he was like, How long have you been doing this? And I looked at the clock and I was like, about eight hours now. He's like, Stop playing. But it was just it it just organically just fell right into place. And I love like the people that I teach. They I'm probably still in contact with maybe 80% of the people that have taken my class through either social media, um, my email, my phone, anything, they have questions or if they have success stories, they call me, they're like, Oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing. This is what happened with this client. And some person um, emailed me yesterday and said they have a client with diabetes who doesn't have sensation, I think from the knee down. And uh, after the class, she went back and she cupped that person and they cried. They had the most sensation that they had ever had since having diabetes. Like they could feel things and being able to teach a therapist a technique that will give people back some portion of their life or just give somebody hope is like, I get kind of, you know, choked up a little bit about it, but just, um, you know, life is so short and, and, if we can do anything to prevent any suffering or lessen the suffering, it's just like an amazing thing. So for me to be just a conduit to that is such a blessing. I'm humbled every single day. And you haven't stopped teaching since? No, not at all. It's, it's, it's getting a little bit bigger now, um, a, a, a lot a bit bigger now, which is a, a great thing. But I'm, um, I just hired my first employee to teach another class because I just, you know, I work full time and it's hard for me to be everywhere at any given time, I just flew back from um, Colorado from the ABMP. Um, I have like two podcasts that I'm on later this week. So it's just, it's blossoming into this beautiful thing. So I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. And it must feel good, like uh, proving to yourself the reach yeah. that nowadays <clears throat> you can get, you know, with podcasts, social media, internet. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I, you know, kind of old school. I never, I was a little bit hesitant to even go on social media. It's, um, I'm an introvert, uh, uh by nature. And, um, so being on social media, we're like literally the entire world can have access to you. It was a little bit scary, but then I don't use it. Um, personally, it's, it's more the profession and it's highlighting the cups and I get to throw a little bit of my um, personality in there. And so the, the positive reach is that like even the last podcast that I was on, I spoke about Alzheimer's and dementia. And to have people email me and, and be tearful and just thank me for speaking up and um, being, I guess, an advocate in my own right. But like people in Hawaii, I had somebody from Jamaica fly to one of my um, anatomy classes. Like people just fly in just because they've seen me with the marketing that I do on social media and the conversations I've had too. like people that I would never, ever have access to. I have a, a man in India that's a surgeon and we talk like monthly. It's just it's amazing. Has it changed you as a person teaching? Um, has it, that's a good question, Danny. Has it changed me? Um, I think it has humbled me more. Um, I just never thought that, you know, when I got cupped, when I tried to save the lady that I thought was going through this domestic violence incident or, the you know, when I got cupped with scoliosis, that it would ever have 
this much impact. Um, again, like the the positive feedback that I get, it's like I really feel like this is where I'm supposed to be. Like when you find your purpose in life, it is very humbling. Um, every day I'm just, I, I, you know, I can't think of a better word, but I think it has humbled me more and it has allowed me to smile more at life and the fact that we are, we are giving people a chance that maybe they didn't have before. Professionally, has it um, improved you? Has it made you a better, um, more adequate person to treat people by teaching? Um, I think so because, you know, you know, I'm not, I'm not teaching kindergartners. So the, the people that take my class, they, I mean, they're awesome. And that's what I say when they're in there, you're already awesome. Just make the cups part of your awesomeness. So I learned so many things from the people that take my course. And I have massage therapists. I have occupational therapists. I have physical therapists, I have chiropractors, like everybody from different walks of life. And so we get to sit and exchange, you know, comments and discussion about what happened in the clinic and what happened with this person and even the feedback that I get, because most people are so happy when they take the cups back to wherever they're from and they have this positive response, they'll email me and they'll tell me this client had this, this and this. And I'm like, wow. So it definitely makes me better because I'm like, oh, I have a person that has that. Maybe maybe that can be something that they try or um, so. Yeah, I think it's made me better just just all around. Again, so many different people, stretch therapists, I have sports medicine therapists, I have oncology therapists, I have just people that are just amazing, just doing their own thing. But then they bring the cups into their world and they're like, wow, this is, this is better than I ever thought it would be. Did you have some sort of imposter syndrome when you started um, teaching? I don't think so. I think, you know, for me, I, I just, it's tunnel vision. And um, cause I think you can get, you know, sidetracked. Because if, you're saying, because you're teaching people that are already awesome at yeah, what they do. Yeah. 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 But, um, no, like, I can't even explain it. The The community, especially here, um, the massage community is wonderful. And more times than any, ego is left at the door, and, and they have open minds and open discussions, and it's not... <clears throat> my treatment's better than yours or, you know, like even like I said, my buddy Nick, he was he was a cupping therapist, so for him to actually want to put me on so to speak and give me you know let me unlock doors off of his key that's how I feel about the massage community we're better together always like Diddy Diddy's awesome Diddy's been in my class <clears throat> and like as soon as we did the 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 other class the um, orthopedic course I was like oh my god Diddy's Diddy's book is amazing we're gonna put her on so it's just that the collaboration nah, so I've, I've never I've never felt any kind of way we've we've never you know stuck my chest out and said, oh, I'm smarter. I have 25 degrees. It's always been like, wow, I can learn from everybody. And, and in turn, I think all the therapists in the environment in my classes have, you know, just always been that we learn from each other. And a lot of my, the people that take the class, they're still friends and they plan on taking like what the cup two together or what the cup three together, or they exchange. That's how I know I've had a good class at the end. If my class ends at five, I don't leave out till six 30. It's not because I'm cleaning but everybody's having discussion or they're exchanging numbers and social media. And they're like, when have you talked to, I had somebody email the other day, like, when have you talked to silence? It's like amazing. It's like a community. So yeah, definitely, definitely no imposter, no ego. Do you have a what the cup community uh, yeah. building and building and building? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I have what the, so I start off with just uh, what the cup one, which is kind of like an introduction to cupping. Cause I teach it. I definitely teach it different. Like then my buddy, Nick, he's amazing. Um, just traditional and I came from more of an orthopedic sports medicine physical therapy perspective so all of my classes are kind of geared behind that what the cup one what the cup one is that intro there's a what the cup two that's neuromusculoskeletal conditions what the cup three is upper extremity and then what the cup four is lower extremity like specific treatments for all conditions is there a is there a class you prefer teaching <laughs> Um, we know I'll, I won't, I won't make you answer that. Um, but is there, is there a part of body that you feel most comfortable with or you most enjoy treating or maybe you've discovered, um, certain ways in which cupping can help that maybe others overlook? Um, I like, so I've had two knee surgeries. So I think I'm partial to like the lower extremity for, for that reason. It's close to my heart. I think you know, ACL reconstruction, man, ACL reconstruction, um, medial 
mastectomy and a, a MCO um, repair. And then me the too, second. Me too, sir, by the way. What? On, only on one knee. Uh, so mine was on one knee. It's just two okay. surgeries. They went in the same mm. portholes and everything. So I had one surgery on my right knee, uh, but all together, same injury, ACL, MCL, both what'd meniscuses. You, what'd you do? I ran. I changed direction. Hey. That's it. I know. Uh, but I was suffering, at, uh, my personal theory, I was suffering at the time from plantar fasciitis, which uh, we were talking about. Okay. Um, and I think I was like running a bit weird. Okay. But I literally, okay. I, was, I, I used to be a soccer player. Uh, so this was in college. I literally ran straight and I cut one direction <laughs> and most of my body came with me. Oh. <laughs> um, and it felt, it wasn't even, maybe you can um, relate, but it wasn't painful. It just felt like oh. something very unnatural just happened. Oh, that's um, painful. The grinding. Okay. Um, and then, um, so these are close to my heart. So I'm okay. interested. So, yeah, so with mine, I was I was running as fast as I could, and and I wanted to make this like huge impression. So I was gonna jump. Stop. I was playing basketball, so I was gonna jump stop, but I was gonna you know like put my exclamation mark on it, like yeah, and I did it, and I heard like this this hollow pop, and the most pain I have ever had in my life. And apparently, watching the tape, I slid into a wall head first after that, but I didn't remember any of that because of the pain of the knee. But when they came down to assess me, they were checking my head and you know, follow my fingers with your eyes. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? Like, it's my knee. And they're like, oh, but um, I couldn't walk. I tried to stand up and I fell down and I tried to stand up for a second time and I fell down again. And at that point, they actually had to carry me off the court. And my, I was back in like the nineties, the early nineties, I think. Um, and so back, you know, back then we were wearing these huge baggy pants. So I had my father's pants on. And I remember by the time we got to the hospital though, they had to cut the pants off of me because my knee had swollen that much and I couldn't get the pants off. It's crazy. So back to your question. I do like lower extremities. Um, with the cups, one of the hardest places to cup has been the feet. I get a lot of feedback on like it's impossible to put anything on the feet. And because we're on our feet literally almost every day for most people, um, you know, it's 100, 200, 300 pounds of weight on our feet. So the soft tissue of the feet, they take a beating. So one of my favorite places or ways to, to teach people to cup is like statically or dynamically um, a couple of different ways. <clears throat> but that's probably one of my. One of my favorite parts. It's hard. It's tricky, but it's doable. And and the response is like, oh my gosh, it is possible and it works. Do you pl- still play basketball? Mm, no, I do not. I um I tried to play with uh, my youngest daughter. It looked horrible. It was like unfamiliar. I was like, God, I can't believe I used to play. And she said the same thing. Are you sure you used to play? Yes, I did. Long time ago. <laughs> is your knee still in pain though? No. So. After the first surgery, I didn't straighten it all the way because it hurt to straighten it. So I was like, oh, just be smart and I won't straighten it ever. Well, you can't live like that. And so scar tissue grew in between the joints. So I had to go back in for the second surgery. So they took the scar tissue out and they cut some more of my meniscus. And then after that, I was like, okay, I, I really need to take rehab a lot more serious. But, you know, that was 50, I was, I think, 15 and 30, respectively, for both surgeries. Um, so the second time I was smarter, I think I may have been a PT at that time or I was at at least in physical therapy. Um, yeah, I was already a PT at that time. So I knew what to do. And, and so I strengthened it and, and did what I was supposed to. And no, and I stopped doing things that I was doing before. Like I used to go bouldering, like, you know, rock climbing and we just kind of jump off onto the mat, and just doing more impact than I think my knee really wanted to have happen. So I kind of changed the things that I did again. Now I'm just, I'm not trying to, you know, lift a house when I lift weights. I just want my knees to be, again, happy and strong in my hips. So I pay attention to the quality instead of, you know, getting in there and trying to, like, rip some weight. I'm actually paying attention to the quality and making sure that I address, like I would my patients, the weak points so that dysfunction doesn't continue. So, yeah, my knee's pretty happy. Do you think um, experiencing these surgeries, uh, having scoliosis has helped you? 100%. Yeah, I feel like it's made me, I can relate. I I can I can talk to patients about things that aren't in a book. Like you only learn so much in a classroom. And I learn a lot more from actually like my patients and the people that I run into. Like patients have been with their bodies for a lot longer than I've been in school and I've been a therapist. 
So I always listen. Um, but I think 100% has, is it's given me empathy, I guess, more empathy, more compassion. Um, I'm just trying to treat the entire person, too. I think that was the biggest thing for me when I had my ACL surgery. I was in high school, so all I knew at that point was to be a ball player. Like, that was my identity. And so, like, literally in a, one second, it was taken away from me. So so my job, quote unquote, was taken away from me. My friends were taken away from me because I had to stay at back then. I had to brace and I had to stay at home for, I don't know, X amount of weeks or something like that it was really different. But I had to stay home. I was on crutches. So I was isolated and kind of like COVID now and people are isolated and they're by themselves. Like I didn't know it then, but I was totally depressed. Like I was literally in the middle of depression. then. you know, I was dating someone. I, I think prom came up and I couldn't go. All these things that are super important to a high school, to a teenager. And so I think that has allowed me to see the entire person. So sometimes in therapy, we'll say, oh, I have a, I got a knee patient or I have a knee coming in. But you don't have a knee or a knee patient. You have a patient coming in, a person coming in that has some type of injury to their knee. Like words have power. And so it has allowed me to <clears throat> treat the entire person and say, okay, if your knee is bothering you, maybe that's affecting how you are at home. Because, you know, your, your identity at home maybe is this, this masculine person who does X, Y, Z but you can't do it now. So you're feeling, you know, you're, you're, you're feeling some kind of way. So yeah, I think it has allowed me just, you know, for lack of better words, just to be a better therapist and drive into that just entire entity that's in front of me, as opposed to just that joint or that muscle. Cause I'll tell you, even like me today, I'm not an athlete. If I get injured, it should really should not, um, should, doesn't stop me from working. It doesn't mm -hmm. stop me from, even if it's a minor injury from living my life. Mm -hmm. uh, but now I'm suffering from this uh, golfer's elbow. Yeah. Um, and I don't even golf. <laughs> and it's not going away. Yeah. I'm not dedicating enough um, effort mm. into fixing it. So that's mm -hmm. my fault. But nothing is more demotivating, demoralizing in my day when I feel that pain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I can, I, can, I can see how people experience an injury pain how it does it brings you down it does i mean it probably leads to other physical issues it does have people you know i see a lot of geriatric um patients too so it's like one person she wants to walk down the aisle for her great granddaughter's wedding that's a big thing for her it's a it's a sense of pride so it's not just oh you know the knee hurts it's like i'm going to be in front of all my family members and this is what i've waited for for 80 years and I can't do it. Or, you know, some people that like have a shoulder and it's like, well, I have a new baby. I can't hold the baby. I can't bond with the baby. Like that's a huge thing, you know? So, and, you know, most people, again, they'll have pain, but they don't come in. They don't seek help until that pain gets in the way of them doing something. So at that point, it's already in their psyche. Like they've already absorbed that negativity. So if we can come in and fix any of that, like I'm here for it. What took you from the West Coast um, all the way to the East Coast? The rain. The, yeah. rain, the rain and the overcast um, of Seattle. I love Seattle, but, um, yeah, the, the, weather, the weather definitely got to me. Um, when I finished school, I was like, I got to get out of here. Um, but I, I grew up, I spent my summers in the South. I spent my summers in Texas. So it was, like, beautifully hot, muggy, but I really liked that. Um, I like the Southern hospitality. I like the waving and, and just the, the friendships that I developed in the summer. So I knew once I finished high school, I wanted to go somewhere that I, my dream was always to play basketball at nighttime in shorts and a tank top. I don't know why or where I even had that dream from, but I was like, wherever I can go and I can play basketball at night, that's where I need to go. And um, one of the coaches um, sent me a letter. It was like, come down to North Carolina. And I only, I, I think I played half a year. My knee wasn't as strong as I had hoped it. That was prior to the second surgery. So it still wasn't as strong as it needed to be. Um, I came down here and basketball players were taller and faster and bigger. And they were swatting me around like a little gnat. Um, so I didn't play uh, basketball, but I loved it when I felt I came to North Carolina uh, in August and we were playing street ball. And I looked at the time. And it was 10 o'clock at night and I was in shorts, T-shirt. And I was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And I've, I've never looked back. What led, led you down the path of 
physical therapy? I think for most people, um, being an athlete, so, you know, I, I was heavily into basketball. Um, I played basketball, soccer, and track, but basketball and soccer were my favorite. Um, and I just thought, you know, it was a newer term uh, when I was in high school, sports medicine. And I, I thought about you know, becoming a medical doctor anyway, so something in the medical profession. And then when I heard the term sports and medicine, I thought, wow, that's the best of both worlds, sports and medicine. Um, so I learned about physical therapy, I think a guidance counselor or something like that. I thought, okay, this is what I want to do. Um, but So I, st- I stayed in Seattle one year after I graduated, and I went to community college. Um, so when I transferred over to the college that I attended, they didn't accept any of that year of, of me going to school. And then the physical therapy program was five years at that time. So it would have been six years for me to get uh, a bachelor's in physical therapy. And I just, I think I spoke to someone and they were like, just, you can get any degree and then go to grad school later. And so I um, got a bachelor's degree in parks and recreation, sports and recreation. And then I went um, to grad school after that. So I went to, for my undergrad, I went to school every um, summer, except uh, I went back home one year. My mother was diagnosed with cancer. Um, and so I flew back home to help take care of her. That was the only summer that I didn't attend um, summer school, but I was able to finish in four years. And then I went on to grad school after that. Do you follow sports? Basketball? You watch? I used to, Danny. Not as much. You know, honestly, I'm super busy. Like, it's a great thing, but I'm super busy. So I work, you know, um, my 40 hours, my full time. And then any time after that is usually dedicated to alchemy and like the cupping stuff. So I'm not. Um, I'm not in front of the TV as much as I used to be, but I do flip it on. I like, I like soccer. Um, I don't have any teams though. Definitely like NFL football, basketball. Following the world cup. What USA just won or tied or something like that the other day is what I saw. Yeah. Versus England. Yeah. It's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, definitely for you. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, do you, I mean, it was, I mean, you're saying like basketball was your identity as a as a young adult. Um, so how how have you your transition from that being your identity, um, that being your life and dream? I'm assuming um, to what you are now. So when I was playing basketball, we didn't we didn't have the WNBA. Aging myself, we had a uh, some other league in the U.S. And it was funny. One of my friends was in that league. And it was like a big deal. And she went into practice and, and the doors were padlocked and the, the entire league had folded. And that was it. And then later the WNBA came, but she had, you know, she was like, man, she was bad. She was one of the best players in Seattle and had to get like a real estate job or something like that or, or went and got a real estate job because that was the end of the road. There was nothing else. And then WNBA came on later. But so my goal was never to be in the WNBA. Um, I don't even know if it was necessarily to play college ball. Like it, it, it would have been a great possibility, but I think not playing college ball allowed me to focus on myself and find a different identity. Um, and I think I found that within kind of physical therapy and really the fusion of the two, right? Cause I feel like, I feel like I'm not purely a physical therapist with that. I'm not purely a massage therapist, but that fusion of the two is who I am. And then just kind of, treating the person a lot of times I say friendship therapy sometimes is 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 more needed than the actual physical therapy sometimes people just need you to listen sometimes people just need to kind of feel that touch and feel like there's somebody in this world that actually cares and so all of that now is my identity and where did alchemy come into play (laughs) There I mean, was, it, it's, it's obviously, it's a, it's a very creative and cool yeah, name. That's, no, that's number one. Uh, but is there some hidden meaning behind it for you? Originally, the company was called Ed Med, because my last name is Edwards. And there was uh, some TV show, I can't remember, but the guy was a doctor. And he called, the business was called Hank Med. I was like, oh, I could do that. I'm going to do that. But the logo was always the owl, because an owl represented to me, like, wisdom. Um. And, and, and wisdom and not just like book smarts or, you know, like wisdom is, is wisdom. Wisdom is a little bit deeper. And then um, I've always been in like, you know, the ancient medicine. And, and one day I think the, the word alchemy popped up and it, I, everything, honestly, everything that I have done up until this point, 
I feel like I can't even take credit for. I almost feel like, like the ideas literally just fall into my head. Like it wasn't like I sat down and tried to come up with a name. It was like the word flashed across and I already had the howl. And I was like, oh my gosh, because for me, every therapist, I think we all are alchemists. Like that's what we do. Like no matter what our discipline is, people come to us in some type of broken form and they want to be better. And so we use our, whatever our magical powers are, we, we use that and we help to transform them into, you know, dot, 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 whatever, whatever they want to be. I want to, you know, I want to be this basketball player. I want to be this person. So we, we help like facilitate that transition. So I don't know. It just, it made complete sense to me. Because even the, the, word alchemy you know comes with a lot of uh, mm -hmm. uh stereotypes behind it ancient mm -hmm. stereotypes yep. and uh some uh controversy as well um which ties us to what we were discussing before i think the first time we spoke i mentioned to you that one of the things that we push always is being modality agnostic mm -hmm. just being open um to to hear to listen to learn and whenever something is valuable and can help people um let's see if we can push it to as many people as possible yeah. um, because something also we were discussing earlier is again, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, you're probably experiencing pain, physical, psychological, mental, yeah. whatever it is. Um, but it's, it's something that drags with you. So if you have a way to fix that pain, again, mm -hmm. even if it's, you know, maybe someone doesn't really need that cup on their shoulder, but maybe just someone that's there to listen and mm -hmm. show that they care and spend an hour with them right. could help their shoulder or could help whatever it is that they're feeling pain with. Um, so I think it's, I think it's fantastic. I think it's, it's very interesting. Um, and I'll fall back on my first comment. The, uh, the name is, is very cool. Mm -hmm. um, so where, where can, if you can tell people where they can find you, find your content, obviously we have um, your, some of your content on yes. our website, which we're very proud of. Yeah. And um, it's only at the beginning stages and we'll keep pushing and pushing and pushing. Uh, but where can people find you, follow you, get yeah. a bit of information and personality put together? Hey. So my website is alchemy, O-W-L-C-H-E-M-Y, alchemyeducation.com. Um, and then on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Alchemy Massage. And hopefully more and more courses with you, uh, with Neil Asher. Um, I've done some stuff with ABMP and just various podcasts, but all of that's on my website. Fantastic. Um, I hope the tea was okay. The I'm tea conscious. was awesome. Fantastic. Uh, good. So it's a pleasure again hosting you and meeting you in person finally. Yes. Um, and very excited to keep uh, building this relationship with you. Yes. Thank you. I look forward to it. Thank you so much.